Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me, I get to welcome back, I think it was like my second interview, Jonathan Holmes. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Dave. Yeah, a lot a lot has happened in uh I think a little over 200 episodes, so uh it's great to great to have you back and uh can you uh catch us up on what's been going on in your life, marriage, ministry? What are you working on, you know, ministry or writing-wise these days? Thanks for asking, Dave, and, and it is good to be back with you and uh, with all your listeners. Uh life is life is good and as I was even reflecting on the question, I realized I have a lot to be thankful for. Uh we celebrated my uh, daughter's birthday yesterday uh, at our house, and so always thankful for my family. I've got a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 4-year-old, and happily married to my wife, Jennifer. And uh, we're in a busy season of ministry uh, here at Parkside Church and then also Fieldstone Counseling. And so between those uh, two uh, significant responsibilities, those things keep me busy uh, on top of all my responsibilities at home. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you pastor, and then you're also leading that biblical counseling, and I see all the seminars and i'm just like wow um i hope you have a lot of help <laughs> well i'm trying to keep up with you dave <laughs> oh wow don't do that that's how people burn out including dave <laughs> yeah yeah don't do that that's that's not a good idea uh can you uh please keep, tell us a little bit about your book counsel for couples a biblical practical guide for marriage counseling why you wrote it and how you hope it's received you know, in all honesty, I started writing the book really just to kind of help crystallize some of my thoughts and thinking uh, about marriage counseling, uh, just even for my own benefit as I would sit and talk with couples and uh, come across issue after issue and would go to the bookshelf and there really wasn't anything on that particular topic and started talking with a few other uh, people in my position and I uh, just said, man, it would really be great to have a, a resource that at least served as an introduction uh, for biblical counselors, for pastors and ministry leaders who are doing marriage counseling. Uh, just how do we do it? How do we approach just a wide variety of topics and issues that come up uh, in a way that is biblically faithful, uh, but also intensely practical. Uh, so that's kind of how the idea came out. And uh, a few years later, and a lot of a lot of coffees and a lot of manuscripts later, uh, we, we got the book that we have today. So Yeah. So uh, you're saying that you struggle a little bit with writing uh, the content. And do you struggle with writing? You know, I, I do. I And I don't say this in any kind of false modesty. I, I don't think I'm that good of a writer. And so I really depend on uh, the editor and the team to clean up my grammar. You know, my English teachers are probably not very happy with me, but I, I thought I had paid attention well, but uh, my writing needs a lot of help. And so uh, the copy editors and all the team that, that obviously is behind uh, the scenes in any type of book production, uh, they go a long ways towards taking my ideas and incomplete sentences and, and making them legible and readable. So. 
writing is a community project. The writer, I've said yeah. this before, <laughs> the writer writes, the editor edits, and then the writer either yeah. likes what's edited or not. And so, yes. yeah, you're, you're, uh, that's a great attitude to, to learn and to grow. And it's okay. I, I remember when I first started writing, I wasn't any good. In fact, I tell the story that my wife uh, made me print off an article and, and uh, she edit my papers and double space them. Uh, she wanted to mark them up with a red pen. She's so gracious. No, no, really. She really is, though. I'm, I'm, I say that sarcastically, but she really is. But uh, yeah, I, I've cried the first time, so I, I know what it's oh. like. The, there was one article that I sent in, and my wife had to edit it. The editor had to edit it. And then we had to do that like a couple times. It was so bad. I mean, I think the article, yeah. <laughs> I think what I said was good, but it, it wasn't, uh, didn't have the right way. So, man, I, I just so, I relate with that. Um, good. We can commiserate together. And yeah. thankful that you're right. I do think writing is a community project, so it's good to have good people like your wife, Sarah, and, and, and other people around to, to help both of us towards that end. Yes. So. <clears throat> well, Jonathan, can you help us understand the basics of uh, biblical marriage counseling? Yeah. You know, marriage counseling, I think for a lot of pastors and, and ministry leaders, you know, whatever whatever role you find yourself in uh, at a church setting. Uh, for a lot of people, marriage counseling, um, it's just, it, it's hard and it's difficult typically because you're dealing with double the amount of work and content. And so, you know, a pastor or leaders, you know, dealing with a one-on-one and individual. And even at that rate, a lot of times the, the content and the work can seem pretty overwhelming just with one person. But you add in two people, you know, oftentimes who are maybe at each other's throat in a session or uh, in conflict or having struggles or working through navigating some type of difficulty and and it's hard and it's it's very difficult it takes up a lot of time and so a lot of times I find in marriage counseling that pastors and, and couples can tend to over promise and under deliver on their care so they can say yeah you know we'd love to meet with you help you do marriage mentoring and then you kind of get into those first few sessions and you realize man there's a lot to unpack here and a lot to deal with and it can be difficult then to, to maintain that counseling relationship and so it kind of peters out and so you know, for a lot of people, that that rate of attrition I find in marriage counseling is pretty high. Uh, pastors just, you know, kind of get flummoxed, honestly, when it comes to certain issues, how to deal with it, deal with some of the dynamics of a husband and a wife who, you know, are just really struggling. And so, in writing the book, I wanted to provide biblical hope and help, you know, for the people that were in the trenches actually doing the work of marriage counseling, uh, to to just encourage them really to say it's worth the work and the effort uh, to put into marriages because marriages have a unique ability to tell the story of the gospel, um, and we want to invest in that, and uh, we want to labor and work towards that uh, with couples in our, in our yeah so I know that's a good answer um and, and the and the first part of the book is is really helpful for readers to that end so um I know when I, I I'm interviewing or for a pastor position or or, or the Q and A. One of the questions is is this question right here. Um, when would it be appropriate for a pastor to send a parishioner to a biblical counselor? So I'm I'm pretty interested in your answer. Uh, well, you know, one of the things sometimes for some pastors and ministry leaders, if they're in smaller church settings and they are ministering the word every Sunday, they are uh, heavily involved in a lot of the different you know activities and events of the church. Uh, counseling is oftentimes just another thing on their plate, and so it can be easy to want to refer that out to either a biblical counselor or a professional counselor. Uh, but oftentimes I find that the couples are coming to their pastors for a reason. Uh, they're coming to their pastors because they trust them. They're 
coming to their pastors because there's a relationship already that exists there. Uh, they see their pastor on a consistent basis, and so a pastor becomes a natural person in their life to seek counsel from. And most couples, to some degree, whether or not they will admit it or not, they want they want godly counsel. They want biblical counsel. And so I do try to encourage pastors to take up that role and to to steward it well, uh, to not just maybe refer out immediately, but to take the time to talk with the husband and wife and to to offer marriage counseling to them. Um, in the book, I do share some different examples of when I do think that it's good to engage uh, a biblical counselor, but I like to use that word engage and not hand off because I don't want the pastor necessarily just to hand it off and maybe see it as an abdication of care. But how can I engage somebody else in this couple's life to assist and to provide another layer of competency and counsel, you know, maybe that I'm not able to bring, um, you know, at this time for the couple. So you would say to somebody that it would be appropriate if dealing with a situation outside of your ability to care or you reach a certain limitation that then you should probably, um, to use your word, engage uh, a biblical counselor to, to walk with them. Yes. And it- and that engagement can look in a variety of different ways. Obviously, asking the couple for permission to seek outside help, maybe to, to bring in a counselor to one of the sessions, you know, so that it's not just the pastor is, you know, sending Mike and Susan off, but saying, hey, Mike and Susan, come and meet. And uh, I've invited, you know, a, a local biblical counselor into the session to, to just help me get a handle on what's going on and maybe to offer uh, a different perspective. Uh, maybe that's what it looks like. Uh, but I think a lot of times, uh, pastors will just hit up against a wall in marriage counseling. Maybe they've offered counsel and it's not been received well. And, you know, they they kind of say, well, listen, I, I tried that. I, I offered help to them. It didn't work. And you can sometimes uh, give up maybe prematurely when, you know, inviting another voice in or getting another perspective from somebody who has some experience or does some more work in counseling, you know, that, that can be helpful to maybe work through certain obstacles or difficulties in marriage counseling that you might run into. I think that's really, really a good answer. What are what are some principles that should guide how pastors and biblical counselors handle challenging situations in marriage counseling? Right. I would say, you know, one of my biggest things that I try to encourage pastors with is trust the Word of God to do the work of God in counseling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are biblical counselors. We believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. We believe that Scripture can change hearts and can change lives. And to use Scripture then appropriately and to use it wisely and skillfully in marriage counseling, uh, that's what that's that's what I desire, and that's what I hope other pastors uh, have a confidence in. And uh, sometimes there, you know, can be the sense where we need to refer this out to a secular counselor, to a secular marriage and family therapist. But marriage is a theological issue, and how husbands and wives uh, live their life, how they communicate, how they love one another, how they parent, deal with their finances, and, and care for their in-laws, uh, those are all issues that Scripture, scripture uh, speaks well to and speaks wisely to. And, you know, one of the things that I try to help pastors uh, in the book and then in different contexts understand is, is that you always have something to offer a couple that's in need. You always have something to offer a couple that's in crisis, and that is the hope of the gospel that's found in the scripture. And many times in secular marriage therapy, you know, you'll run up into issues where uh, they'll say, you know what, it's dead end road. There's nothing more that we can do. You know, you just need to move on or separate or get divorced or whatever. But biblically, we know there's always hope in Christ. 
and pastors, I think, are well positioned to be able to offer that type of hope to couples in need. Yeah, that's a really good word. How important is that pastors not only excel in the pulpit, but also in counseling and shepherding the flock? Yeah, that's such a that that's a good question and one that I wish. Honestly, we were talking more about, you know, in the wider uh, conversation of evangelicalism, because uh, understandably so, as we've reclaimed, you know, in certain arenas, uh, a passion for uh, expository preaching, for preaching through the Word of God, that one thing that I still think we can excel in more and do better in is also ministering the Word of God interpersonally, Monday through Saturday. Mm. And in seminary programs and college programs, uh, not a lot of attention is given to just caring and counseling, you know, the needs uh, of the people that you shepherd. And so a lot of times a pastor can be very skilled in preaching, uh, but then Monday through Saturday really find themselves at a disadvantage when it comes to ministering the Word interpersonally. And for me, that's what counseling really helps a pastor do, is in preaching, uh, preaching maybe takes Scripture and applies it to life, and in counseling, a counselor is taking the person's life and connecting it to Scripture. So you're doing the same thing, but maybe just coming at it from a different angle. You know, a couple is coming in and saying, hey, we just cannot resolve conflict. We can't even agree on the color of the sky, you know, yet a alone, you know, talk about some of these deeper rooted issues in our life. And a pastor has the opportunity then to take scripture, to open it up and actually minister it there in the moment. And I think that that actually enriches our preaching on Sundays so that when pastors are are preaching from the pulpit on Sundays, they're not talking about people in the abstract. They're not talking about problems in the abstract, but, you know, part of the foreground of their thinking is the couple and the individual that they saw that week. And I really think that brings um, just an integrity and a realness to preaching uh, that's difficult to manufacture and difficult to take when you're not involved in people's lives. So I'm very much a proponent of both public proclamation of the Word being joined with interpersonal ministry of the Word. I think both are uh, incredibly important, and I think that even looking at the example of Christ himself, I think that we see that example and that model, both of public proclamation and interpersonal ministry happening you know, all throughout the gospels yeah i think that's really good um you know one thing that stands out to me just to add to that is you know there's a difference between being a a preacher and a pastor you know a preacher is just conveying the truth you know of of the word and a pastor is is doing that but trying to do as you said connect the word to their life and to shepherd them um in in every phase of life and whether that is in the pulpit or in the counseling room or having somebody else walk alongside them they're always trying to you know and that's how trust is built um you know among a pastor and a parishioner you know some of the some of the best pastors some of the best pastors are not the best preachers i've i've learned which is interesting um i can give many examples of that but they're also i'm more likely to listen to i mean not not that i won't listen to the, the preacher but i'm more likely and more to take seriously and that that person that is is pastoring me uh, i'm more likely to take seriously their words because i know that they're they're for me they're they care for me they're going to walk alongside me they're not just going to say those hard things they're going to walk with me through that and and help me and i'm more likely to listen to that person because i know that they're for me they care about me i think that's true for just about anybody um but I've, in my own life, that's been uh, own Christian life. Um, you know, real pastors that have done that have made a huge impact on my life. Yeah, and I 
agree. And, and you look you look at the span of church history, and historically, uh, pastors were the primary offers of, of soul care, and it's really only been maybe within the past century that that aspect of counseling and care has been uh, delegated to professionals and to other individuals. But historically, when people needed help, when people needed help uh, navigating the difficulties of life, depression, anxiety, marriage difficulties, you went to your pastors. And, you know, you don't have to look too far. You don't have to go back too far, even in our own history, to look at the works of the Puritans. And the Puritans were uh, constantly and consistently writing about soul care and how did pastors and how should pastors care for people uh, in their congregation. Um, so that, that difference that you make, that nuance between pastor and preacher, I think is so helpful, uh, Dave, and in, in, in some of the implications that might come out of it. So Yeah, another encouragement that uh, Jim Neuheiser wrote an article in, in our issue on expository preaching, and it, it was so helpful uh, for Theology for Life. And he challenged counselors, how much of the Bible can you access? You know, meaning yes. how much of that, how much of the word can you use in your counseling, in your ministry, not just in your pulpit, but in, in your counseling. And I, and I think that is just because, you know, we have this huge problem of biblical literacy and to help people, we have to know the Bible ourselves. Yeah. One of the things I tell our counselors, uh, both at Fieldstone and at the church, I say the best gift that you can give your counselees is the gift of holiness, your personal holiness before the Lord. And so pastors and counselors have to be students of the Word. They have to be putting sin to death. They have to be uh, drawing near to Christ in times of struggle. That's that's honestly the number one thing before I even go into a counseling session that I want to make sure that my own heart, my own life, that I'm keeping watch over it and keeping watch over both doctrine and life uh, as a pastor and as a counselor. Mm, that's so good, brother. Amen. How should married couples navigate challenging seasons of marriage? Yeah. You know, the word that stuck out to me in in that question is, you know, challenging seasons. And I I think sometimes couples maybe either get caught by surprise or they get discouraged when they do encounter particular seasons of difficulty. And one of the things I try to tell couples is I'm actually not surprised that you're having a difficult season in marriage. And Mm -hmm. I think we would be naive to think that marriage is just this consistent, you know, upward climb of just marital bliss. And when we think about those traditional vows that many couples set at the altar, uh, the phrase that resonates with me is uh, that we are pledging ourselves in times of better or for worse. And, you know, our modern culture has maybe taken off for worse. And so marriage is just about my, my, my happiness. And so whenever difficult seasons come, you know, we want to get out of it. But those vows in that covenant actually hem us in to remind us that, uh, we do have difficult seasons in marriage and that the same God that is there for us and with us in times of difficult or in times of good is also there with us in times of difficulty. And sometimes I think that we forget that. And so marriage counseling can help remind couples, uh, A, not to be surprised, not to be surprised by difficult seasons of marriage. And then B, also remind couples that there is a God who loves them, who cares for them, and who's intimately aware of their struggles in those difficult seasons of marriage. Man, I think that's so, that's so good. I know, um, how should, when I think of this question, how should married couples navigate challenging seasons of marriage? I think of my own challenging seasons in a marriage and where I had to learn, especially in the first few years, how to be of our marriage, my marriage to my wife to be forgiving. Um, so, you know, that pray and ask God to increase your, there have been times when I'm like, you know, I don't, I love my wife, but I don't love my wife. And I'm like, God, that scares me because I'm like, God, help me to love my wife, you know, do this. It's like, I'm not going to leave, but I'm like, you know, it's really upsetting. The situation, this season is really challenging. Uh, I don't want to leave, 
but I help me, help me, you know, or or some circumstance. I'm sure every guy's been there. Okay, in fact, I know for a fact I've I've heard that, and yes. you know, it just pr- praying that prayer, God, help me to to love you more. That's a that's a gospel prayer. It's 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 oh, a prayer to to increase increases our faith. You know what God does uh, when we pray like that? He, uh, as you know, he uh, he changes us, um, changes yes. us to to yes. deal with the difficult person, and that difficult person is. Uh, most often us that we need to look at it take a hard look at in the mirror yeah in, in, in that movement of asking for help you know the simplicity of god help me that's the prayer of the one every husband and every wife asking and calling out to god for and with and one of the things i actually find and, and you might find this too dave in your own ministry that when couples come in to see me that have been in challenging seasons of difficulty i'll ask them you know have you prayed about it you know what mm. role does uh, spiritual life play in your marriage and more often than not i find uh, a real lack of any type of spiritual vitality or reaching out which in many ways has gotten them into that particular spot and so uh, not not trying to make people feel guilty or embarrassed, but saying, well, one of the first steps then that we need to do to address this difficult season is to really re-engage with God and to draw near to Him and to cry out for help and to ask for His help, you know, to, to navigate this challenging season. And that's really what James 1.5 is all about, where, you know, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And James 1.5 is in the context of navigating trials of uh, various kinds. And, uh, you know, it's not just a verse that you pray before you're going to have a hard exam or test, you know, God, just give me wisdom. But it's God, give me wisdom to navigate things that I don't understand, that don't make sense to me. Uh, difficulty and suffering that is hard to navigate. We can't we can't navigate that on our own. We need the wisdom of God uh, in His Word, in His Spirit, through His people uh, for that uh, for that season and to be able to navigate that trial well. So yeah. another thing I think that we would both be remiss to not say is is how we how much we actually need one another. You know, I I yeah. need you and you need me we need to be in community with each other um you know in the local church um and you know we need to if we need to have older men in our lives as guys guess what that doesn't make you any less spiritually mature than anybody else in fact it says look you're actually spiritually mature because you recognize that you're calling out to god for help and and God's going to send you help. So are you are you ready for your prayer to be answered, dude? Um, and yeah. and lady, yeah. guess what? The the pattern of the New Testament is older women. The same for men, both. Titus two makes it clear that older women are to you know walk alongside of uh, younger women, and older men are to do the same. So I would just say to older men, be encouraged that you have a ministry to younger men. You know if they're willing and open to receive it. And younger guys, um, we're both fairly young. I'm I'm thirty eight. I'm not sure what you. Are Jonathan, but uh, you know, you, huh? Are you are you thirty eight too? I'm 36. I'm 36. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're, we're in the same ballpark. You know, the older men, or excuse me, younger men, be open to that. You know, I, I can tell you uh, that that older guys have been willing and, and uh, have made a profound difference in my in my life and ministry and my writing and um, my ability to, to do this podcast even. I mean, I could, I could talk to you about mm-hmm. that. But the, the thing is, is that, you know, we, we just need, we need that. We need to, re- I think that we need to re- 
cover that in in a lot of ways um, because it, it helps. You know, that the more seasoned Christian might feel like I don't have anything to offer to them because I don't know all the cultural references. But guess what? What they really need is your honesty. They need your they need your wisdom and and younger guy, you need that. I, I can tell you that um, at every critical pivotal point in my Christian life, God has sent older men in my life to help me uh, to be able to deal with severe a severe trial or a very challenging situation. And um, I'm just so, so thankful. I'm thankful for their rebuke. I'm thankful for their encouragement. I'm thankful for their help, um, yeah. you know, in, in not just in ministry, but in my Christian life, in my marriage, uh, personally, yeah. professionally, I guess, personally and professionally. Um, so if you want to navigate those challenging seasons of life, I think we would be remiss just to say, you know what, uh, find an older, if you're a guy, find an older guy, um, see if he's willing, get to know him, friend him, older guys, befriend that younger guy that comes to you, be open to that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just cannot just want to say a hearty amen to all that because if prayer is a necessary component of any marriage counseling situation, so is community. And, and all that you just said, so many of the issues that I see in the marriage counseling room could significantly be decreased and mitigated if both husband and wife were in mentoring discipleship relationships, if they were involved and engaged in community. And I'd probably say the vast majority of husbands and wives that I see are isolated. They're not in community. They're not involved in a local church. They're not being discipled or mentored or mentoring others or pouring into others, depending on their age or, or stage of life. So amen to, to all of that. Couples, get involved with other couples, older men with younger men, older women with younger women. Amen, brother. What are some guiding principles to help improve communication marriages? Yeah. You know, communication is obviously a, it's a, a very common topic that comes up in marriage counseling. And one of the first things I tell couples is that communication problems are theology problems. You know, if you have a communication problem in marriage, it's not just enough for me to, you know, work on, you know, your tone of voice or what you're saying, but you really have to understand that communication is a theological issue, that it is out of the overflow of your heart that your mouth speaks. So whatever is coming out on the outside, I guarantee you is connected to an internal reality. And helping couples understand that takes a lot of work, but it is absolutely vital in marriage counseling. You know, your spouse did not make you get angry and, uh, you know, get upset with you. You know, your spouse did not make you get frustrated and, and yell at them or, you know, cuss you out or something of that nature. That's what was inside. And so pressure and your spouse only reveals what was already in your heart. And so anytime communication problems get addressed in marriage, then the heart has to be addressed. And Christ describes that dynamic, you know, well in Luke chapter six, where he says, listen, no good tree bears bad fruit and bad trees don't bear good fruit. So, you know, you, you have to understand that principle and that dynamic. And I actually find a lot of couples uh, might pay lip service to that, but don't really get how that works out in marriage. And so that's one of the very first things that I try to accomplish with couples is just biblical teaching about communication where it comes from and how it can get changed. Well, I will, I will give the personal example here, um, for, for this, uh, well, I think in a lot of ways I am the personal or my marriage is the personal example. And, and that is, um, again, in the first few years of marriage, we were not forgiving with each other. We were unforgiving and I had to, you know, because I'm a complementarian, I had to, God by the spirit convicted me of that. And, uh, uh, you know, it took time. Um, that's a key word. 
time. And be, be, I think the biggest thing on this, there's a lot of things that, that I think we could both say. I think the biggest thing is to realize that your, your, your wife is, is uh, for guys, your, your wife is, yes, your wife, and you're in a covenant relationship, you know, for life with them. But just because you're married um, to, to them, they should be your best friend. And you should see them as your best friend, you know, and how would you treat your, you would treat your best friend with the utmost care, and the utmost love and that that should be um the thing that you do with your with your spouse you should treat them with the utmost care the utmost love um utmost concern you know when they, when they open up to you for example um what they're wanting what your wife is wanting you to do isn't to try to fix the problem i've had to learn <laughs> many many times and many many guys have to learn this but when you're when your wife is opening up and and sharing that she's not wanting you to fix the problem or any woman really unless she tells you i want you to fix this what she's wanting you to do is she's wanting you to listen and then she's wanting you to empathize with her and if you want to build trust in your marriage if you want your wife to to feel loved and cared about which I, i think that the majority of guys out there i think that they do they just don't know and so so when your wife is sharing with you about her hard day at work or a hard situation she's just wanting you to sit there shut your mouth um notice i didn't say shut you to shut up i said shut your mouth and <laughs> that's important. And listen, listen. If if it helps to you, you to think of it this way, don't listen to listen to her words, but listen to her heart behind her words. And I think if you listen to her yeah. heart behind her words, what I mean by that is you're not just paying attention to what she's saying out of her mouth. She she is, but you're also um, listening to the the message that she's sending. Is she hurt? Well, you can tell that by her how she's talking because you should know your wife. And and that's that's what I mean about. Uh, growing in friendship with your spouse and now the personal example. I've had to do this in my own marriage um, and I can be honest in the last couple of years even uh, this has significantly improved my relationship and just having time you know that looks different for every couple for us it looks like dinner sometimes after dinner or before bed where we just talk about our day just something as simple as that just our day um, having mm-hmm. a regular time to go out and chat it, it just it just helps to have open lines of communication um, where you can share on, honestly and openly about what's going on i know a lot of guys struggle with this um but that's what your wife wants she wants to hear about what's going on with you and for you to hear Mm -hmm. what's going on with her and this will this will help um it'll take time for your for your wife to feel okay especially if there's been hurtful situations in a marriage um but it's it's worth it it's worth working through issues it's worth talking with somebody or with a seasoned older guy as we talked about it's 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 just it's just really it's really worth it and i i just want to say you know if you're not there please don't feel like okay well i'm beating you up because i'm really not i'm just saying that this these are some things to work on and towards and that these are things that even healthy marriage like i have or i have to be proactive in, in continuing to to work on these things and i mean same with same with jonathan same with your pastor uh we we all have to be working on these things so it's not just okay well i've arrived i I would be lying if i said that uh so don't hear me saying that i'm just saying like these things will help your marriage in addition to what jonathan said and and his book is excellent so i i would really commend that to you yeah it's you know it's one of those things where you know that building the friendship with the spouse that 
uh, you were talking about even, you know, personally. Um, I mean, I find that to be so true, again, personally in my own marriage, like you were sharing and in and, and the couple of lives that I uh, meet together. And it takes work and it takes time that other, you know, that keyword that you had mentioned. And by nature, I find that we typically don't like work and we're pretty impatient. And so marriage takes both of those things and try to come alongside couples and give them that long view that it is going to take work and we need to be patient, just like God is patient with us. Uh, that's, that's a process, and it's one of those aspects of counseling that I think a pastor or just a godly couple that might be mentoring other couples in the church uh, can really help uh, another couple take on uh, in terms of a marriage culture by way of instruction. <clears throat> yeah. Well, Jonathan, just as we wrap up this conversation, it's been really fun, and as listeners go ahead and pick up your book, um, is there any? Uh, do you have any takeaways on this topic as a whole about things that we've talked about that you that you want to hit as uh, people go ahead and pick up your book? Yeah. You know, the thing that would be most encouraging to me as people read the book is that they would take the book, that they would use it uh, as they work with couples uh, in whatever context they might be in. If that's formal marriage counseling, lay counseling, or just as a pastor with a couple in this church, and just really invest in marriages. Um, marriage has the ability to tell the story of the gospel and to embody that story before an unbelieving world. And so it is absolutely worth the effort. It's absolutely worth the growth and skill and in knowledge to become better and to become more skilled and more competent at marriage counseling. And it's not a work that we want to abdicate or just relegate over to a secular marriage family therapist, but it's a work that I think that God really has given us something of essential importance to share with couples in need. And so I hope I hope people will really be encouraged. You know, I hope that they won't grow weary in doing good uh, because, like I said earlier, marriage counseling is a lot of work and that this book might serve as just a little bit of a, a momentum booster as they head out a little bit more equipped and a little bit more encouraged uh, for the good work in marriage counseling. Well, Jonathan, I'm always encouraged by our, our, our very sparse interactions but they're always they're always uh, very encouraging to me. I, I appreciate what you're doing very much so on the front lines there. Um, I I want to just say I, and I do say this to people. My ministry is to help people um, like yourself and to help to, so that you can help people in the pew. And so that's why we provide the resources we do is uh, to help guys like you that are being faithful on the front lines. And so I, I really appreciate what you're doing, and I'm I'm always encouraged by it and. Uh, encouraged by the book really thought it was very helpful and so keep up the good work brother good good same to you brother thank you for having me today you're welcome thank you so much for listening we hope that you were encouraged by today's episode don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast for more uplifting and thought-provoking content please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash servantsofgrace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.